Open your Bibles, Joshua chapter 24. If I'm not mistaken, I saw Tyler walk by a while ago, and I'd be Tyler and Amber back there. Yeah, that's our newlyweds, so I want to make sure I acknowledge them being here this morning. And Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Joshua chapter 24, verse number 14. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel together. They're about to renew the covenant that they had made. And he says in verse 14, Now, therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In these verses, we see a challenge concerning choices. A challenge concerning choices. I read the story some time ago about a farmer that uh, was needing some help and he hired this fellow to come over and to help catch up around the farm and he didn't really know much about him he's hoping he was going to work out all right and so he needed the barn painted and so he told the young fellow he said now look he said this is a lot of work to this you think you can do it? it's going to take about three days probably to get the job done he said oh yeah i, I think i can handle that all right and so went out there and lo and behold he had the barn painted in one day i mean it was all done this farmer was ecstatic he thought man this is this is just unbelievable i found myself a really good hand and so the next project he sent him out to uh, to go cut wood and uh, stack the wood and said now look this is a little bit bigger job said it's going to take you about four days so the young man went out and just, you know, started going to work. And a day and a half later, he had the job done. And his boy thought, you know, man, this is great. So he said, I got another project for you. And uh, he said, I want you to sort out all of, all of the potatoes and, you know, this big old pile of potatoes there that harvested. And he said, I want you to arrange them in three piles. There's the seed potatoes in one pile. Uh, the other pile is the food for the hogs. And the other, you know, is a pile over here that potatoes good enough to eat. And he says, just a really a simple job. And he said, uh, you, you'll have this done by the end of the day, no problem. So he comes back at the end of the day. And this guy hasn't hardly got anything started. I mean, there's just a potato or two here and a potato or two there. and That, that was all. And, and he said, what in the world is the matter? And, and he said, I just can't make decisions. 
And you know, that's the way it is with a lot of people. When it comes to making decisions, making choices, for some people, they have a really difficult time doing that. But you need to remember that if you don't make the decision, somebody else will make it for you. If you don't make the choice. And here we see Joshua standing before the people that he loved dearly with their best interest at heart. And his message is, Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. All of our life is made up of choices. The choices can come from three different sources. Number one, there are choices that God makes. We don't have anything to do with that whatsoever. We go all the way back to creation, for example, where God chose the design, the features, the function of absolutely everything, and, and He didn't consult anyone else about it. He just did it. Throughout history, we see choices that God has made, that no man had any part in, and God reckoned something to be, and that's the way it was. We see it in a personal way, not only in creation and history, but in a very personal way, that somehow or another, that in the divine providence of God, we happen to have a certain set of parents. Our birth was at a certain time. Uh, our features, for example, and the circumstances of our life, all of those things are the result of choices that God made. But then there's another source of choices that affect all of us, and that's choices that other people make. For example... We think about the choice that Adam made, and it has affected everybody that has ever been born. There are the choices that your parents made also. They didn't consult you as to where they lived. They just said, this is where we live. When it come time to go to school, they didn't consult you about whether you were going to go to school or not, or what school you was going to attend. And so all through your life, your parents made choices for you. Others make choices for us that affect us. Every time there's an election and people go out and vote, you are affected by the choices that other people make. It might be contrary to the choice that you would make, but your life is affected by the choices that the majority of the people make. But there's another source. Not only are there the choices that God makes and the choices that others make, but there are those choices that we make for ourselves. You see, we can't do anything about the choices that God makes. That's His prerogative. He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do. And we, we can't do anything about that. We can't do anything about the choices that other people make. The only person we can control is ourselves. We make choices. And for those choices, there are always consequences, good or bad. And here in our text, we see Joshua making a choice and Joshua challenging the people 
to make a choice. Now, if ever there was anybody that really knew the importance of making wise choices, it was Joshua. I mean, here's a man who was one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. And it was all due to his great faith in God. We could go back and trace his history as to how God used him to help the children of Israel. In chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Now, he has been responsible and helpful for bringing them to this place in the land of promise. They are there now. But that wasn't the end of the plan that God had for the nation. God wanted them not only to enter the land, but to possess all of the land. That was the promise. I'm going to give you the land. So they're in the land, but they do not yet possess all of the land. There remaineth very much land to be possessed. In other words, Joshua, you can't sit back on your laurels. You can't rest. You can't quit. There's work to be done. In verse 29, we see that he lived to be 110 years old. That tells me that he did his greatest work when he was an old man in the last 20 years of his life. Think about that. When others would have been calling it quits, Joshua was just getting started. I'm not going to go into all of the historical details of that situation and what have you, but I just want to remind you this is a time of great challenge for him and for the people. He is an old man now facing a new and a great challenge, and there's no room for air. They can't afford to fail. They have to make the right decisions. I read a story like this, and it encourages me greatly, but I'd be lying if I, if I said it didn't raise some concerns for me personally. And, you know, I'm, I don't worry about my age, but I do get concerned about my abilities. You know, that's, that's just uh, normal, I guess. And uh, I don't mind growing old if, my body would just stay young, you know. <laughs> well, but that that doesn't happen. And the last thing I would ever want to do is to drag the church down and hinder it in any way whatsoever. But let me tell you, when I read a story like this, it, it encourages me because it reminds me of what God can do. I mean, there's no limit to what he can do. And sometimes we need a reminder like that. And I want you to picture yourself in his place. I want you to imagine being there. You are the responsible party for leading these people. And think about the challenge that is laid out before him. I mean, here's a man that's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. And what he did affected many other people besides him. The same thing's true of you and I. Our choices have far-reaching effects on other people. Look at verse number 31, for example. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all of the days of the elders that outlived Joshua and which had known all of the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. 
You talk about a man of influence. All of the days of Joshua, as long as his influence was alive, the people continued serving God. Remember, your choices don't just affect you. They affect other people, and sometimes for a long time. Now, we can't force other people to make the right choice, can we? Oh, we would like to. Those of us that are parents, you know, we would like to spare our children doing things that, you know, that, that, that ultimately ends up getting them hurt. We don't want them to repeat the mistakes that we made. So that's why it seems to them that we're being overly protective. You know, they, they want their freedom. They want their wings. Let them fly. Let them grow up, you know, and uh, we as parents, we want to restrict them because we are concerned for them. We can't make those choices. And you mark it down, you know, we think somebody says, well, I'll tell you what, as long as, long as you're in my house, you're going to, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Well, you know, that really sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. I've really taken the stand. As long as you're in my house, let me tell you something. They can walk out the door anytime they want to. You, you might hold them in check when they're eight, nine, ten years old, but when they get 14, 15, 16 years old, let me tell you, you better have more influence over them than just a belt in your hand or a hard-nosed approach to raising kids because that doesn't really impress them at that point. They can bust loose any time they want. That being the case, since we can't make those choices for them, then it behooves us to set an example for them, to make choices that they can emulate later on that will ultimately result in, you know, the, in the very best for them, which is what we want. And it's not always easy to make the right choices. There are temptations that we have to overcome. I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved. To make the right choices, you've got to resist certain temptations. There's always going to be something there that's going to tempt you to make the wrong choice. There's the matter of peer pressure. Peer pressure doesn't just evaporate when you get out of high school. It stays with you the rest of your life. Peer pressure. In other words, everybody else is doing it, and so that's the decision that I need to make. Or it might be overcoming your personal desires. Because let's face it, as long as we're in these bodies of flesh, there are going to be desires that are contrary to the will of God, and yet we have a responsibility to make the right choices, and yet we've got these personal desires tugging at our heartstrings Wanting us to do something else. It might not be something that is sinful, not something that will get you locked up in prison, not something that will make the headline news, just something that will keep you from God's best in your life. The biggest enemy of that which is best is not something that is the worst, but rather it's something that is just good. Some gray area, some... You know, some sinless thing that distracts us. It can be a hobby. 
It can be some cause that you adopt, but whatever it is, that becomes the desire of your heart. And to make the right choices, you've got to be able to resist those desires of your heart. And what we see in Joshua is what we ought to see in absolutely every Christian, and especially we ought to see it in fathers. Here is a man who took the lead in providing leadership for his family. He led them in the right direction And it was out of his concern for others. He could have said, look, I'm 90 years old. You you all are going to have to either sink or swim now. Because I found a really good fishing spot, you know, down on the river. And I, 90 years old, I deserve a break. I'm just going to camp out down there and spend my last year's fishing. He loved his family too much to desert them at any time in his life. And so it's out of concern that he is urging them to make the right choice. But it's also with a sense of urgency because choose you, he says, this day. In other words, this is not something you can put off till later. He knew what was right and he refused to back down. And boy, if we ever needed courage, it's in a time like we live in today. If ever we ought to do right, it's today. Here in this chapter, it begins with the circumstances in the first 13 verses. Then we have the challenge that we've been talking about But then look at the last part of verse number 15. Here is the commitment where he says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he moves right on to the consequences of that choice that he made. I love happy Indian, uh, (laughs) happy Indians, you know. That's the problem with this being live. You can't blot it out. And since Bev and I both have got a lot of Indian blood in this, well, I guess that maybe we can make that personal. What I meant to say is I love happy endings, don't you? Happy endings. Man, I don't like those stories where the hero gets shot dead at the last minute, you know. I, I like happy endi- uh, <laughs> endings. I'm going to blame it on Cap. They got my emotions stirred up. And this is a happy ending here. All of the people, all of the days of Joshua's life continued to serve the Lord. This is all the result of his influence and the choice they made based on the challenge that he gave them. Have you ever thought about the difference that you can make in someone's life? The difference, by making the right choices, the difference that you can make in, in your family. Your children will be affected the rest of their lives by your example, by the inspiration that they receive from you, the choices that they see that you make. It might not be just your family. It might extend beyond that to your place of employment. It might be that it's just in the neighborhood, those that 
those friends, those that you come in contact with and mark it down, people are watching how you live. They're watching how you respond to difficulties and temptation. And people, as they observe your life, we need to ask ourselves, what do they see in us? There's no question what these folks saw in Joshua. Amen. They saw a man that had been faithful to the very end. A man who refused to give up. But what do they see in you? What if someone took a survey and went to your place of employment and just began to inquire as to what they see in you? What is it about you that impresses them? What is it about you that reveals the fact that you love God and that you're serving God and that the most important thing in the world to you is the fact that you want to please God? What would they, what would they find? What if they went through the neighborhood and asked that same question? What do they see in you? It's apparent what they saw in Joshua. And so he, challenges them choose you this day the thing about it is none of us can be neutral bob dylan wrote a song many years ago and i know it seems silly that i would even mention the the name of some secular artist like bob dylan but boy uh he wrote a song that really hit the nail on the head in fact i've been carrying it in my bible for years it says you've got to serve somebody I want you to think about that. I'm not going to read all of it, but just the last part where he says, yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil and it may be the Lord. You're going to have to serve somebody. If you think today that you're going to just walk out of here without making a decision, you're wrong. You're going to make a choice. As Jesus said, he that is not for me is against me. So you're going to make a choice today. You'll either choose that you're going to serve God or you're going to choose to serve the world. One of the two. And we have to give an account for the choices that we make. We can choose the course, but then we cannot choose the consequences. So many times, you know, we want to choose this course, but we also want to control the circumstances, and we can't do that. God established a law called the law of sowing and reaping, that we reap what we sow. And whenever we make the wrong choices, mark it down, there are going to be severe consequences to that. So Joshua says, this is what you ought to do, but then notice he says, but... I think, in essence, saying regardless of what you do, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Notice that phrase, my house. You shouldn't say, as for my house, unless you can say these words, as for me. You know, there's some that, some dads that want to rule the house with a fist of iron and, and their attitude, you know, as for my house, this is the way it's going to be. I'm the head of the family. I'm the one in control. And this is the way it's going to be. 
Joshua said, as for my house, but notice he said, as for me, as for me. You can't expect your family to do what you refuse to do. It's one thing, one thing for you to dictate to them what they ought to do. Look, your counsel might be good. You might be ever so correct in what you say. But if you don't try to lead by example, it's going to fall on deaf ears. And even if they don't follow you, remember that's a choice they've got to make. There's no way in the world. Somebody says, well, well, yeah, we have that wonderful promise, you know, trying to put a child in the way he should go and when he's old he'll not depart from it. That's not a promise. That's a proverb. That is a probability. Don't ever let somebody beat you down and make you feel guilty because one of your children went astray. Now, if you haven't been serving the Lord and setting a good example, you ought to feel guilty about that. But when you've done your very best, although imperfect, but you've done your best to serve the Lord and to set an example for your children, none of us do it perfectly. But when you've done your very best, you don't have to feel sorry and guilty about choices that they made. It's their choice. Even God doesn't dictate to them. God gives them the freedom of choice. So we can't control them by just dictating as to what they ought to do. But we can say, as for me. As for me, this is what I'm going to do regardless of what anybody else does. For Joshua, this was a time when the need was great. There remained much of the land that had not yet been possessed. The need is great. And any way you look at it, the need today is great. The need in your family is great. You know, about the time that you start thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm starting to get pretty good at this thing of raising kids. My, they're, you know, they're grown now and, well, all of a sudden, your kids are having kids, and now you're grandparents. Now you have a responsibility toward them to set a good example, to lead them in the right way. So that's why I say the need is great, and our responsibility is serious. Our cause is urgent. There's no time to fool around because the time is short, and we ought not to delay I wish God would give us more men like Joshua today. The kind of men that not only would say, I'm going to insist that my family serves the Lord, but the kind of men that says, I'm going to serve the Lord and do my best to direct them to serve the Lord also. Here's a man that refused to back down, turn around, give up, give in, or quit when the going got tough. That's the kind of commitment that, that gets people's attention. Nobody, nobody had to wonder where Joshua stood whenever he stood up and challenged the nation. They responded favorably and they entered again into this covenant that, that he made with them before God. And to commemorate that, they set up the stones of remembrance. In other words, they, it's kind of like, you know, we're going to nail this down where you'll never forget it. This commitment that you've made here today. It was a commitment that, that got the attention of the people and they responded and said, we're all in.
we're all in. How wonderful it would be if, you know, the testimony of your family is that I'm all in because dad and mom, I saw the fact that they were, you know, fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that we have a choice in this? That God has given us the freedom to choose. And everyone has to make their own decision. You ought to do it right now, right here this morning. Some folks have been, you know, just kind of wavering year after year after year. They know what the Bible teaches. They know what they ought to do. But for some reason or another, they got the attitude, you know, well, I, what I'm doing is good enough. Well, it's not good enough unless it's all. God demands total devotion to Him. Don't be like the, the mule that starved to death standing between two haystacks trying to figure which one he wanted to eat out of. Make up your mind. Make that tough choice. And do it now. Well, maybe you're thinking this morning, I know what God wants me to do. I know that I've been shortchanging God. I know that I haven't fully given Him my all. I haven't put Him first in all of the decisions that I've been making, but I'm willing to do it now. You need to say so then. Say so. You you need to make it not necessarily public, even though that's well and good, but you need to make it apparent. Say so to God. You know, so many times people say, well, you know, I I just, the message really touched me. I think I'll make some changes. Look, you need to make that commitment before God and pour out your heart before Him. Dear Lord, please forgive me of neglecting my life and ignoring the things that you wanted me to do. And right here and right now, I'm going to rededicate my life to serve you to the best of my ability. Say so to God. Share it with others. You know, something about, something about sharing your testimony with others, telling them how that God spoke to you and, and what God's doing in your life. And, you know, it's pretty hard to neglect a commitment that you've just made whenever you've told others you made that commitment. Tell others, share it with the other people. Show it. Don't, don't just say it. Don't just tell others, but but show it by the decisions that you make and stick with it. Stick with it as long as you are on this earth and have the opportunity. God's will is always right, and nobody here would debate that, would you? Anybody deny that statement? God's will is always right? We all know that's true. But God's will is not just right, it's always the best. A lot of things can be right and still not necessarily be the best, but His will is right, it's the best, it's the safest. It's the safest choice that you can make. That choice to serve the Lord. Automatically, when we talk about serving the Lord, our mind, our mind starts making that checklist. Uh, there's church attendance and tithing and, you know, read, read my Bible at least a little bit every day, say my prayers before bedtime, and we've got our little checklist. And 
sadly for a lot of people, that is all there is to serving the Lord. But the truth is, that's not all there is. There's a whole lot more to it than, than that. Whenever it talks about us serving the Lord, that has to do with our work, it has to do with our worship, has to do with our total relationship before the Lord. And one of the best ways possible that we serve the Lord is in parenting. That's why these housewives, need, they, they need to be applauded. Thank God for godly housewives that are more concerned about their children than a career. That, that's all a part of serving God. I know we, you know, we generally don't think, think very things at home. The domestic things are all of that spiritual. I mean, what could be, what could be really spiritual about, you know, mopping floors and washing dishes and taking care of the home? Well, let me tell you, there's a lot spiritual about that. And everything we do, whether it's the hardworking father that's out there, you know, working day after day after day, providing for his family, that's all a part of serving the Lord. So here we have this challenge based on Joshua's choice to serve the Lord. And the reminder that, that our choices have consequences. And that brings us down to ask the question, what choice are we going to make? You could choose pleasure. A lot of people do. They make the choice that I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose the lifestyle that brings me the greatest pleasure. And I can tell you exactly where that's going to end up. All the details might be different, but you end up exactly where Solomon did when he conducted his experiment and he said, it's all vanity. This doesn't work. Now, you can make that choice if you want to, but I'm telling you, that's going to be the end result. You can choose possessions. There's a lot of people, you know, that when it comes to the pleasures of this world, they're not all that interested in, in, in those kind of pleasures. They, they want stuff, man. They want possessions. You can make that choice if you want to, but you'll be like the rich fool who sold his soul for stuff. Or you can choose popularity. You can determine in your heart that the most wonderful thing in life is for me to choose those things that's going to make me popular, well-liked among the people. The result of that is you'll end up with that same crowd of whom Jesus said, I never knew you. Oh, the world might know you. Your name might be up in lights and on the headlines. You might be really famous and popular. But boy, I'll tell you what, if the Lord doesn't know you, it's all in vain. For somebody else, it's power. That is control. They want to control people. We've got politicians like that. They don't care about America. All they're interested in is gaining power. They want control. And they make those choices that will give them the kind of control they're looking for. But it always ends up as it did with Nebuchadnezzar, the madman. He lost his sanity. The only choice that really makes any sense whatsoever, folks, is God. When we make God as our, as our portion, 
As the psalmist said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the only choice that makes sense. What choice have you made or what choice are you going to make here this morning? There's something really interesting here and I'd... I just saw it this week for the first time. I've never heard anyone comment on it. Notice what Joshua said. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Let that sink in a minute. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Why did he make that statement? Why didn't he just get right to the point and say you need to serve the Lord? But he said, if it seem evil unto you. Joshua knew how people tend to think. By that I mean, although they're willing to acknowledge God as Lord, they're not willing to accept Him controlling them. Maybe a better way to put it would be to say, you know, they would rather have God serving them instead of them serving Him. And He doesn't use that word evil there in a moral sense as we sometimes do. The idea here is it has to do with them thinking that serving God is going to be unpleasant. Serving God is going to be unpopular. Serving God is going to be unprofitable. Isn't that what happened over in Malachi where the Lord is rebuking them and they say, oh, what a weariness it is, what a burden, what a heavy burden it is to serve the Lord. Let me tell you, the greatest joy in all of the world, the one thing that will make you happier than everything in this world is to know that your heart is right with God. You've made the right choice that you're going to serve God regardless of what anybody else does. There is a peace in that that you can't find anywhere else. And it's as though Joshua was saying here, if it seems evil, in other words, if that's what you think, you need to change your mind and make the choice to serve God. Because that's what I'm going to do, and that's what my family's going to do. And you ought to do the same thing. Will you make that choice this morning? Say, regardless of what, you know, others do, I'm determined this morning that I'm going to serve God. You might not be, you might not be a preacher, you might not be a Sunday school teacher, you might not be a deacon, a trustee, hold any office in the church, you might not have any special talent, but listen, if you're a dad, if you're a dad, if you're a father here this morning, you have a wonderful opportunity and a serious responsibility to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Make that your life mission to do it the very best you can by the grace of God. One more thing and I'm through. Now all of this is well and good, you know, to talk about serving God, doing whatever it is that pleases Him, but you can't do that if you don't have a relationship with God. 
You can make all of the decisions that you want. Run down this aisle, throw yourself in the floor, cry a bucket of tears, and it won't mean anything until, first of all, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That's where it starts and everything else grows out of that relationship that we have with Him as our Lord, our Lord. I said our Lord and our Savior. Submitting ourselves to His control because He not only demands it, He deserves it. And if you've never received Him as your Lord and Savior, we beg you this morning before you leave here to do that today. Dad, what about, what about you? It might be today is the day that you need to make the right commitment that you're going to do what pleases God. You're going to serve God and you're going to tell God about it. And then not only are you going to tell God about it, it might be that you want to tell your family. After church, you might want to gather with them somewhere and just tell them, look, I've been such a miserable failure and I want you to know I've asked God to help me and I've made a commitment here today. I want to be the best father I possibly can. You might want to share it publicly that you're rededicating yourself to serve God. I don't know, but whatever it is God would have you to do, don't put it off and don't think Don't think you can walk away without making a choice because you just made it one way or the other. Let's stand. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for men like Joshua, for those that that had the desire of their heart to please you, those that had a great concern for others, even to such an extent that they were willing to put themselves last, that they might make others first. Those that were willing to sacrifice and to give up even the comforts of life that they might minister to others. And Lord, we thank you for the difference that Joshua made. But Lord, in this day and age, we just pray that you'll raise up men, women, boys and girls that have that same kind of love and same kind of determination to serve you with all of their heart as long as they can, while they can. And if there's someone here today that's never been saved, I pray you'll just touch their heart. That, Lord, you'll convict them of their sinfulness and bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. For we pray in His name. Amen.